This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. In today's episode, we will continue exploring the contested role and meanings of physical education. Can we claim that physical education today is in crisis and serves only few of the children while marginalizing others? If that's the case, what would a more meaningful future look like? I'm delighted to explore these questions with Lee Sullivan, who has spent loads of time asking these questions. Lee is based in the UK and works as a head of PE at Upton Court Grammar School. He is the author of Physical Education in Crisis, leading a much-needed change in physical education, which will provide a starting point for our conversation today. Welcome to the podcast, Lee. It's such a pleasure to have this conversation today. Thank you much. Honestly, genuinely a real pleasure, and thank you for the invite. Absolutely, my pleasure. And Looking into your work, there are clearly so many themes that are so relevant for the podcast and links also to conversations I've had the pleasure to have in the in the past. But so for us to get started today, I think it would be really nice to get a bit of introduction to you, your background and your work, and then what has led you to write this book that is going to be a central part of our conversation as well. Yeah, no problem. So... I guess we'll go back to the very beginning, if you like. I, at school, I was um, I loved PE. PE was without doubt the best part of my my week, and I was um, I, I hate using this word, but I guess a sporty kid. Sport was a really big part of my life. It was a big part of my family's life, um, and PE served me really, really well. It, it was it was beyond my realm of thought that anybody didn't like PE. How could you not like PE? Um, it was very sport specific. It was often focused around invasion games and it was it was competitive competitive. And that was exactly what motivated me to engage. I, I love the competition. I liked the social team element as well. And I, I really enjoyed it. And so I never wanted to do anything else but be a PE teacher. That's kind of all I wanted to do. And that has been my uh my drive and when I when I became a, a teacher I actually then got into pastoral leadership quite early on and that that kind of um, that was a few years of my career really nurturing some some disadvantaged students and some poor behavior etc um, and then I had an opportunity to become a head of department and it was my dream my dream job to lead a PE department but I'll be honest all I knew about PE was the PE I had in school the PE that I was trained to deliver at university, and then the P that I delivered, which honestly all were the same, sport-driven, technique-focused kind of 
performance obsessed delivery of PE. The one I guess is is most common around the world: skill drill, skill skill focused, sport focused. And um, and I I found myself uh, when I was in a leadership role, a department lead. Quite early on, I, I realised that the curriculum I was delivering was for mini-me's, for people like me that saw the value in sport and saw, saw the value in PE and physical activity already. And it was focused on skill delivery and, and technique, etc. And I found myself in a, in a situation that in a million years I never would have predicted. I found myself genuinely considering leaving because I was so frustrated uh, to begin with, and this I, I feel guilty saying it, I blamed the kids. Like, how can they not? What are they not getting? You know, I'm, I think I'm delivering good lessons, and I, th- I think I'm focusing on the right areas, etc. But they weren't getting it, and then COVID happened, and what we were kind of all thrown into this time where we couldn't be around others. But I don't know whether you saw it as well. I'm sure you did, but we were then forced to kind of sit in front of a computer and all of a sudden we had this opportunity to network and to chat and to just stop for a minute and reflect and covid was bad for for so many reasons but actually through that adversity came the opportunity to really reflect really read really listen and so that's that's kind of what i did and i asked students what they thought I, I often say there's no going back from awareness and I saw through my student voice that it wasn't working. It, my delivery wasn't working. I wasn't meeting their needs. They didn't see the value in PE and it was a real kind of slap in the face moment of if I'm not having the impact, what do I do? And I was inspired by a number of people. So David Kirk wrote a book, PE Futures, and in it he talks about three possible futures and that really hit me because I felt the same. It was we either, there's radical reform, radical long-term reform. We either keep doing what we're doing, more of the same, or PE is extinct. And I thought, well, for me personally, I, I, that resonates with me because I can either continue doing what I'm doing, but I'm miserable doing it. I, there's no impact in it or very little impact in it. Or I can leave, I can get out, but I didn't want to do that. This is what I wanted to do for my whole life. I, I, I didn't want to quit or I can look to change it. And then I guess the, the rest is, is kind of history. And then the book was written and um, we, we wrote the concept curriculum and trialed it, et cetera. And, and here we are today. Yeah, I'm, that's been an important turning point for you in terms of actually thinking of leaving. Can you talk about that time? Did you think of alternatives and what were kind of the key points in in your experience that that really led you to this turning point that you might want to do something else instead? I did. I, I remember I got home one day and I, I conducted a kind of learning walk where I just went around the kids and asked them, why does PE exist at this school? And I targeted students that I might not usually see or might not usually speak to and um, and students that I hadn't taught. So other, other teachers, um, students and just said why does P exist at school and I got lots of different answers such as oh it's good for fitness it's nice to be out of the classroom I like being around friends now none of these were wrong they're not wrong um, answers but they I could have asked them why, why does 
break time exists? Why do we have a lunchtime here? And I would have got exactly the same answers. So I, I remember getting home one day and I typed into my computer transferable skills for teaching. And as I typed it in, I felt almost kind of like this, I don't know, treachery. Like, what am I doing? This is what I've worked for. This, this isn't right. And I knew that I didn't want to leave, but I, I was pushed to this, what am I doing? What am I doing? So I listened to a lot of podcasts. I did a lot of reading. So David Kirk's book was a real eye-opener for me. Um, Scott, Listening to Scott Kretschmar, um, actually on your podcast, and listening to uh, and reading the work um, around meaningful PE and also talking to loads of practitioners, I found very early on that, my, and this really helped me, that the thoughts I were having, I was not alone in. The frustrations I was feeling, I was not alone in. A load of other teachers were like, I feel the same. We're just, we're delivering to mini-me's, we're serving a few, we're elitist in um, inadvertently we were doing more harm than good. We were seeing that the same kids were turning up for extracurricular clubs. The same kids were excelling or, or thriving in PE lessons, but more worryingly, a lot of the kids weren't. A lot of the kids were opting out. And that, that was, you know, listening to, so Lewis Keynes, Alan Dunstan, some international teachers, Phil May, some international teachers were sharing some really great work around conceptual learning. Another, you know, Will Swades is somebody that in the UK was doing a lot of work at the time around curriculum development that really resonated. So there was, I was kind of, I had this real frustration. I was then forced to listen to people that would challenge my thinking. And then I, I had this idea that PE could be much more than sport. And sport should be much more than just skills, techniques, competition, winning and losing. And from there, the ideas kind of evolved. So what I wanted to do with the book was bridge the gap between research and practice, share frustrations, but most importantly, share the great work that other people was doing in a really solution-focused approach to say, look, I, you know, it started from a bad place, but this is where we are now. Um, it's not perfect. It's do I, you know... Do I claim to be saving PE? Absolutely not. But it is an approach that has worked for me and is actually working in um, a number of schools right now. Yeah. And you mentioned several influences and, and COVID has provided this maybe unanticipated benefit of actually being able to connect, talk to many people. I also listen to much more podcasts during this time than before. And so we started um, exchanging some messages after I had the pleasure to talk to Scott Kretschmar, who is one of the leading philosophers of sport, and he's written extensively on PE as well. So I'm just curious if you if you remember, it's, it's a while since the podcast was out and so forth, but uh, some thoughts in his work and, and his thinking that can resonate with your, your ideas. Yeah. For me, Scott Kretschmar, I could genuinely li listen to all day. I just think he gets it. I think he just gets, um, and, he's, and he articulates it far better than I ever could. I think he just gets what um, PE should be and how it can really, it, it can be meaningful. We can find meaning in movement for everybody. I love it, what really resonated with me is this idea of every child should have the opportunity to find their playground. And um, 
he talked about, and I'll be honest, this is complete honesty. He talked about moderate competency and I've never heard it said in that way because at first I was almost a little bit worried by that term. I thought, well, moderate competency is that kind of us lowering our standards a little bit to say, well, are we just trying to get them all, you know, okay at sport or physical activity or are we actually, um, should we have higher standards than that and trying to get them good or, or much better? But what really resonated with me, and he, he spoke about his um, relationship with golf and how he can have a really bad round but still really enjoy it. And I feel exactly the same about what I do. I'm never going to win uh, a London marathon. I'm not elite. But, but truthfully, we're not an elite education system. We're a mass education system. So if we can get every single kid to this idea of moderate competency, whereby they can kick a football, they can pick up a badminton racket and have a go, they can jump on a bike, they can, um, they have balance, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, where they can try their hand at everything and they have the confidence and competence. And most importantly, which I think comes through with the meaningful PE, this idea of motivation um, and find meaning, then what a great way for the students to leave us. If they have that, then I think, I don't know whether, whether you see it as well, but this one thing we often battle is, is with this self-identity of, of the messages that we've been delivering to kids inadvertently through assessment or through this kind of uh, performance focused, you know, if you can do this, then you're good. If you can't do that, well, then they leave feeling like failures and they leave feeling like they're not very good. If that's the messages that we've been giving them for a long time, well, of course, they're not going to, you know, we know the impact of a negative experience within PE, the long-term effects that's going to have potentially on being more sedentary or not wanting to engage in physical activity. If we can change that narrative and we can change that self-identity and almost in some way, I think what Scott Kretschmer did, or what I felt is he kind of took the pressure off a little bit to, to say, you know, just if we can get them to where they have, they found meaning and where they have this idea of moderate competency, well, that's a fantastic place to be, um, as, as opposed to we, we've got to be getting performance. We're training them for its fitness for performance. Joe Harris, fitness for performance over fitness for life. And he's very much this idea of fitness for life, as is Joe Harris. And that's definitely where I stand. Let's, let's build a really positive relationship with physical activity so that when they leave us, they want to continue to engage. And Scott, I mean, if anybody's listening to me now and even slightly resonates, please don't stop this podcast now and go and listen to the Scott Kretschmer one because he says it far more better than I ever could. Yeah, I also thought kind of this whole whole point about moderate competence and if you I've also done these road running events and, and marathons and stuff like this. And I mean, for 99% of us, like, we're not going to achieve anything like we might do our personal best or something like this, but it's not going to be in the history books, right? That's right. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's not any less meaningful to you, right? No. And and yeah. so I think he talks about having a trophy. It doesn't. It's not required. I so genuinely, um, I play tennis on a Sunday, and this is completely truthful. I am by far the worst player there, and I go there, and if I can come away having won a game, not a set. I'm talking about even if I lose a set 6-1, one, 
if I've won that game, then I'm really proud of myself because they're much better than me. But I love that challenge and I love the competition and I love the banter that exists there. And whether I'm not going to win Wimbledon, I think I'm resigned that, to that fact now. Um, but but there is absolute meaning there for me. And But it's about, and this is what we need to do better at in PE, is understanding that everybody has a different motivation, a different attitude towards physical activity and a reason to engage. And we need to be better in understanding that. And previously, we know that Sport England, for example, uh, in 2014, they conducted some research called Under the Skin. And they found that actually only 10% of the thousands of young people they interviewed consider themselves sports enthusiasts. So that means that 90% didn't. They could. They had other reasons to engage. And actually, for some of those, they, they discovered six personality types. And there are there are arguments to be had about the the you know if the it's now dated and whether I should be referring to. It. But I love the idea that we've got different reasons to engage. And if ninety percent of that survey came back that they weren't solely motivated by competition. By the way, like I am, like my competition was aiming. Those are the people that we're aiming towards then we've really got to look at ourselves and and we've got to, I think, re, reframe the messages that we're delivering, reframe the experience, re, rethink it. Um, and I think that's what the work that Scott Kretschmar, Tim Fletcher, Stephanie Benny, um, I definitely recommend those to, to the, the listeners now. The Meaningful PE kind of movement, if you like, is definitely worthwhile. And any leader in PE, I think, I recommend that, just just dipping your toes into that to to understand it and, and break it down and, and reflect is that is that what you're delivering mm-hmm. yeah and um in your book is p in crisis and the work you've done around the concept curriculum I mean, the central critique what you already talked about earlier is this really sport competition achievement focused physical education and how this resonates with only a small number of people But so then you also talked about, in some ways, opening up or broadening the way we think about sport. So my question would be then that should we abandon this sport-focused uh, PE completely or are there then some parts that can be reframed and that can still be constructive and valuable, not for the small, only for the small number, but can we also find some positive value from from sport uh, yeah. more broadly yeah i think the one the one thing i want to say straight off the bat is sport in my world is not a, it's not a dirty word you know i love sport sport is 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 still central to everything with the approach that i've taken the physical aspect of the lesson isn't lost the um, it's still front and center It's still our bread and butter, right? But what we're trying to do is just change the um, the way that the stories that we're telling and the experiences that the students are having, so that because a lot of students have turned off, we need to understand. And this is what I think is difficult. I find it hard to 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 take that actually when we consider sport and we consider PE to a lot of people, that's incredibly emotive. Physical education, when we say to a lot of people, what were your experiences of physical education? It's really emotive. Some people loved it, but a lot of people didn't. You know, that's that's. if we have a look at sport, and if we look at sport more 
um, for what it is, right, in terms of physical ed- education, it is competition. That is through through sport. That, that ultimately, in an elite context, it is winning, it is losing, it is number of different skills and techniques, and it is competitive. And I believe that that's fine for the elite. That's winning and losing. So basically, the outcome is vital for an elite performer. But we're not trying to get elite. I would argue that in physical education, we probably couldn't create an elite athlete in the limited time that we have. Um, we, you know, we could certainly try, but I don't think PE alone could couldn't achieve that. That's a, a debate for a different day. But what I what I'm saying is that in in truth, we we've got to start valuing the process over the outcome. There is so much education that we that we can un, we can get to. So we need to harness the true potential of sport and the learning value that that has. But we also, if we're looking at sport, we need to consider, well, what what are the current opinions of the students we teach? Now, this is England specific, but some of the research that's happened recently. um, So in 2017, a document called The Game, uh, Changing the Game, found that 45% of girls said that sport is far too competitive. Um, Only 30% of girls, youth sport trust, and 30% of girls said that playing to win was important to them, so 70% isn't. 64% would be relieved, not bothered, or even happier if competition was removed from PE. And I said earlier about the 10% being sports enthusiasts. So we cannot get rid of sport in PE. I think it's a really vital part of physical education, and there is loads of learning to come from that if we value the process over the outcome. I wrote a an article re- recently about this very topic and I kind of came up with the four R's as to how we can go about delivering meaningful competition in PE. I think we need to rethink. So consider the who that we're delivering to. Why do they engage in physical activity? Are they competitive? Is that going to motivate them? Is it going to drive them more actively? Will it turn them off? I think we need to reframe, so value the process over the outcome, whether we win or lose. There are many people still, I still talk to many people that that will judge their physical education delivery based on how their teams do in local leagues or local competitions. And I see that a lot. And, and if they have some people playing at a really high level, that means that their physical education delivery is is great. I would definitely argue that um i would i would i don't believe that to be the case um i'm not saying that it doesn't contribute but i don't think you can judge your uh, an effective delivery an inclusive delivery on how well um teams do so i think we need to reframe competition and um and value the process and the educative educative value that it has i think we need to also look at personal relevancy to dip back into tim fletcher and stephanie benny's work um, and digicronium around meaningful PE, we need to find out what's personally relevant. I did a, a student survey in 2019 with my students and found that only 40% valued the sport technique uh, lesson objectives. They found that relevant. Only 40% found that relevant. So hence why I, you know, have gone the conceptual learning route. Um, you know, I talk about it, I'm sure, in a bit more detail, but 
we we can, I believe, that PE is best placed to meaningfully deliver some really useful learning that is an inclusive hook. It's not it's not taking away from the physical activity. It's not um, taking away from the competence drive, but it's just it's providing that inclusive hook for maybe those that don't find that relevant to their lives. And then finally, I think we need to role model when it comes to competition. PE teachers, I actually stuck a, um, a poll on Twitter and we had over 300 people voting. And I just said, yes or no, have you had a bad experience with a teacher at a competition or a fixture or something? And 90% of those 300 people that, that answered said yes. And some of the stories that they shared were crazy. Now, what messages are we delivering Delivering if we're screaming at kids from a sideline, if we're um, getting really annoyed at them through the game at the side of the court or whatever because they've made a mistake or because they're losing or, um, or we're shouting at the referee because they've made a bad decision? I believe that we should always play to win but behave to educate. And that is vital. So we have to role model what what good behavior looks like um and, and i think we do it really badly not not just teachers i mean i walked down to a local park not too long ago and i was in between two games two games were running parallel one was an adult game and one was a, a young kid game and this is literally just in my local park the the language from both pitches was was foul as you can imagine um but what I saw on one side where the kids were playing, it was a really one-sided game. And I'm talking like one team was winning. I didn't didn't get the scoreline, but it was definitely in double figures. And um, to the point that it was almost laughing from, you know, go on, get another one. This is easy type of thing from the parents. I just thought, how awful for what messages are we delivering to the other kids? That, that can't, where's the meaning there, you know? And then on the other side, I saw the adults, which was a much more closer game, but swearing at the referee and pushing and shoving each other and I just thought surely this isn't what competition is this this can't be the messages that we're delivering and I thought well maybe that's just on a, on a Sunday in local leagues and then but I still see it in in fixtures I still see it through school sport where teachers take it too seriously and and we've got a step back we're not coaches we're educators and so, yeah, so basically with those those four R's of rethink, reframe, relevancy and role model, I think we can find meaningful competition and really harness the true power of sport. So absolutely don't get rid of it. Keep it in there. But we just need to, um, I think, just consider how that is is delivered. Yeah, so we just have to reconsider how we work with sport to provide those benefits that it does have. And But yeah, the poll you did on Twitter like it's very sad but unfortunately it's not very surprising this is yeah. what you often hear when you just talk to people friends and and so forth so that's the sport part of it I wonder because this second justification is often then this more health focused physical education people need to young people need to be physically active to avoid all the dangers of sedentary behavior and so forth but this is also very much criticized by philosophers, psychologists, sociologists of, of sport and physical education as being very instrumental. So I wonder if you are 
worried about these developments. I mean, health is everywhere now, isn't it? So mm. what do you think about these trends? On the other hand, that PE is not about sport, but it's about health. Yeah, I think what what we're missing often in PE is that emotive element. This, this idea of, um, I'm, I know that I probably shouldn't drink as much red wine as I as I do on a Friday evening after work, but I do it because I enjoy it and and I enjoy the social aspects that come with drink having a drink with with mother half etc. Um, and I think that's very similar to PE. We can know why it's good for us. We can know that physical activity is good for us, but unless we've got the motivation to get out there and do it, then I don't see that it matters. And I think so. An example of this is. Before I before I introduced the concept curriculum back in 2018, so this is before lockdown, I asked my students, and and let me just reaffirm, this is in my kind of dark place, if you like. Um, my um, I asked my students, do you understand why physical activity is good for you, and are you meeting? So two separate questions: Are you meeting the chief medical officer's 60 minutes a day? Um, and the results came back that 96 said they under they knew why PE was good for them or they knew why physical activity sorry was good for them but 94% said they weren't getting the 60 minutes so that would that showed me there that we can tell them all day long why something is good for you but unless you found that connection and we've developed that competence and you've got the confidence well then it doesn't matter and, and I think another example and again, sorry for being so England specific, but during lockdown, like we talk about physical literacy a lot, nurturing physical literacy. So the competence, the confidence, the motivation, the knowledge and understanding to, to value and take responsibility for physical activity now and forever. And we talk about, are we genuinely nurturing physical literacy? And when I talk about is, is PE in crisis, this is one of the areas that I say, well, are we getting it right? Because we saw in England that the chief medical officer, as I said, 60 minutes a day is what is recommended. And before lockdown, 47% of young people were meeting that. Then lockdown hit and we weren't allowed out of the house except for one reason, which was to get one hour of physical activity. Now, you couldn't do that in teams. You couldn't do that with another household. You could do it with members of your own family but you are only allowed out of your house for one reason, and that is to be physically active. And yet we saw that 47% in England go down to 19%. So if we're talking about really nurturing physical literacy in PE, how can that be? If we've nurtured physical literacy, then they would see the value, they would take responsibility, and they'd have motivation to get away from the computer and get out. And it was beautiful sunshine here in England. There was no reason not to go for a walk or a jog or whatever. It, but it was all of a sudden, like some of them are, are, you know, we talk about moderate competency with Scott Kretschmar. That doesn't just mean in one activity. That means in a number of activities, right? That means being able to go for a jog, go for a walk. That means uh, go for a bike ride, etc. Get Get on your skateboard, whatever it is. But what we saw is all of a sudden these students, these young people that could, were only allowed out for one reason, didn't know how to engage. So despite having the knowledge and understanding that it's good for them, didn't get out there and do it because for a number of reasons, maybe they're only used to playing with friends. Maybe they're only used to, to playing football or netball or whatever it is. And when that's taken away, well, 
I don't really, I, I don't know how else to engage. Um, I'm not sure, but I, I, so to answer your question in a really long-winded way, I think it's important that students know why it's good for you. But I, does that need to happen in a practical um, context? I'm not sure. And, and certainly it can't take the place of physical activity. If it, if it enhances the physical activity within a lesson and the sustained periods of activity, then great. Um, but if it, if it in any way stops it or, or limits that time, then no, it shouldn't happen. And, and I don't think a curriculum can be solely focused around those aspects. There's a lot of talk about, you know, learning in, about and through sport um, and physical activity. You might argue that that is, you know, we can learn about the activity, but there's still, how do I feel in it? Am I motivated? I've got a bike in my garage that um, I could absolutely cycle to work, but do I? No, I don't because I don't have the motivation and I prefer the comfort of my car. So emotion, I think, will often trump sometimes knowledge, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think we've gone gone a long way. So we've explored the different critiques, the different problems with different perspectives. And so let's finish for the first part. And for the second part, we'll start then discussing more what is a more constructive um, future that you're proposing instead. So thanks for the conversation so far. I appreciate it. Look forward to it. Thank you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day